Hey, St. Paul, welcome to episode 21 on our study on the Holy Spirit. 21, 21 episodes. We've taken a couple weeks off, so that means we have sat around the table, Emily, uh, for a good four months and talked about the Holy Spirit, talked about the significance of God sustaining and maintaining power in our lives. Wow. I honestly didn't think that I'd last this long (laughs) or you'd last this long, but here we are. And I appreciate, man, I I think that over the months, I think there's been a chemistry in the sense of feeding off of each other. And I have really appreciated that. Yes, me too. I mean, I don't know if you're tired of me texting you, but um, (laughs) I'm not tired of you texting me, although I feel like that this is not exactly balanced in the amount of texting that happens. (laughs) Yeah, you do text me more. I'm just saying, okay? And I send lots of, I mean, I have sent so many pictures of pages of books. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There, there there have been so many pages of books and quotes and stuff like that. Screenshots and whatnot. Yeah. And on the record, I have appreciated them. No, I really have. They they have been wonderful. And and it just goes to show the amount of time and the amount of effort that you place into this. And and we hope that those of you who are listening, wherever you are and through whatever medium, whether it's Amazon, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Apple iTunes, uh, there's probably a half a dozen other ones too. And as of today, Instagram. Yeah, Instagram. We're just, we just thought maybe once we do Instagram. Instagram live. And um, we just kind of give you a behind the scenes. What goes on from this process is there's an editing process where I take out all the stupid things that I say. And, um, <laughs> but you don't take out any of the ones that I say. <laughs> And uh, and then we will release it later on uh, in a few days, probably the first part of next week. But we're glad that you are with us. And if we choose to do this on Instagram Live and behind the scenes, we'll make sure that the audio is a lot better. Right now, we're just playing around. And the little giggle that you heard in the background is actually a third person that's with us today. She's our first repeat guest. It is. <gasps> she is. Yay. Laura Marvette. Wave, wave your little arm. Hello, y'all. <laughs> Laura, thank you for uh, joining us today. Thank y'all. I am honored to be here on this Friday morning. It is a Friday morning, and it is a chilly Friday morning nonetheless, and we're glad that you are here also. One of the things that we do is we center ourselves around uh, significant passages where uh, God has been drawing us to. And as I said earlier, it is centered around the Holy Spirit and and that work of God sustaining us and maintaining us and, and strengthening us and blowing into us this power, this refreshment uh, that is available to us all for the purpose of making us more like Christ, to be strengthened not only to do things on the outside, but this inner strength that we can say with confidence that God has not forsaken us, that he is with us, that he would never leave us or turn his back on us, and ultimately to that point where we know we are redeemed. And that's, that is the work uh, in, in the most part of what the Holy Spirit does, uh, along with a myriad of other different things. 
And so the study started out with an eye towards the book of Acts. And I don't think we got past Acts chapter four. <laughs> Did we get that far? I don't know. <laughs> I remember two. Remember yeah, two. I just remember two. two. <laughs> and then I think we've referenced the rest of the book some. <laughs> yeah, some. We'll, we'll get back. I mean, yeah, because there's know, some really good stuff in there. <laughs> there is some awesome stuff in there. But I think that's part of the cool thing, too, is instead of focusing on one book where we've said, okay, here's what we're going to teach, and then kind of saying, okay, God, speak to us through this particular text. We have kind of opened up the door, not kind of, but we've opened the door and been more led by the Spirit to say, as through the weeks, as we you know prepare, we say, gosh, this is really speaking to me, and mm-hmm. reach out to each other and say, gosh, this is just hit me in the face this week. What do you, can we talk about this? And so I think that's kind of made it where we've lasted 21 episodes just because we've been so open to where the spirit is leading us Mm -hmm. and us not trying to direct the spirit to what we're saying. And I was going to add on to that as well. I was like, how ironic that (laughs) it's about the Holy Spirit yet. (laughs) And I think that's the thing about the Holy Spirit is, or at least for what I've been learning recently is everything is a process and you go this direction and then you'll take this turn and then you'll go down this road. And so, yes, y'all didn't stay with the book of Acts the whole time, but the content has been awesome because it's clearly been about what the Holy Spirit is doing and being led by the Holy Spirit. And so we, over Christmas, talked about Mary. We talked about the Magi. And last week, we stepped into an Old Testament passage in 1 Kings chapter, well, we were specifically in 18 and 19, but we referenced 17. And to be honest, I think I think Emily took us through a history of Israel from First Samuel, Second Samuel, to get us to where we are, and and it was beautiful. If you haven't heard it, uh, go back and and listen to last week's. That's episode twenty uh, about the presence of God. Well, and you can tell that I was excited about it because I talked really fast. <laughs> and if you try to listen to it faster than normal, it sounds really weird. I sound like a chipmunk. So <laughs> I think you can even like make it slower than normal. You might need to <laughs> slow it down. Let's speed it back up when John talks because he's always measured and calm and cool <laughs> and collected and I'm, I'm not. So today we want to piggyback off of where we left off last week. Where we left ourselves last week was um, Elijah down in near Beersheba, where he had left his servant, uh, signifying that he was giving up on the ministry. He was saying thanks, but no thanks to God. And all of this started after three great marvelous things that happened, the widow's son running faster than a chariot and calling down fire from heaven. And then Jezebel threatened his life. And so he runs south in fear of his life, only to let go of his uh his servant go into the Negev, which is this desert area. And, and he kind of has these poor me's and finally comes to a point that he says, Oh God, just let me die. So what he, what precipitated him fleeing was the fear of his life into a point where he just was exhausted and he wanted to die. And what was interesting, we brought up last week was the thing that he feared most never happened. Elijah never died. He was caught in a world wind and and just it was taken up to heaven and so God meets him there and asks what are you doing here and what are you doing here so this week we want to kind of talk about how we get to those places where we feel empty 
where we feel void, where we, we really just feel that the world and circumstances and our schedules and school districts and <laughs> supermarkets, they are pulling away and emptying us of everything inside of us. What do we do then yeah. when we want to give up? give up on our ministry, give up on our walk with God. How do we respond in those points? Ladies, have you ever found yourself in places where you just want to just, God, let me go? Yeah. God, take this task away from me? Every day. <laughs> Every day, especially in our COVID world, yes. in our pandemic yes. world. Because virtual learning is not ideal. It's not great for my children you know, three of my children are not great at it. One is fine. But even though he can do his work in it and turn everything in still, that social aspect and that community and that fellowship is really missed. It's really missed. And even this past weekend, you know, uh, Mac, my eight-year-old, had a fever Sunday, Saturday morning. He just started running a fever. And so um, we shut down for the weekend through Tuesday where we just stayed at home because Matt kept continuing to run a fever. And he finally was tested on Tuesday and was negative. But even in those four days of us just being at the house together, Jim and I looked at each other on Monday and we're like, oh, this is, we, this is awful. We got we to gotta do something. So, yeah, I mean, it's like, oh, I give up. I just want to I want this to stop. I want this to be over. And that's a feeling throughout almost the past year. I mean, it's almost been a year where we have been dealing with the uncertainty of this virus and what we're doing. And we thought, you know, remember when everything shut down last March and we were sure we would be back in church oh, by we Easter. we thought it would just be a couple weeks. Yeah, we yeah. were sure we'd be back in church by Easter. No big deal. And lo and behold, Easter comes and we're still not back. And now it's 2021 and we're still operating under those same kind of circumstances. And it's just been so much that you want to say, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And it just doesn't go away. <laughs> it keeps it keeps on keeping on. Um, and that's been one thing that Laura and I've been talking about and, and kind of why we wanted, you know, John and I wanted her to jump in and why we asked her, you know, I don't know, 30 minutes ago if she could be here. <laughs> <laughs> Can you be here at 1030, Laura? It's 10 o'clock. Can you be there in 30 minutes? Um, and getting her to say yes, I had to sweet talk her. But um, <laughs> she and I have had so many conversations in the past week, and I think she and John have as well, about this, you know, because Laura, if you don't know, is our youth director here at the church. And, you know, it's one thing to be a minister to, I don't want to say old people, because I'm lumping myself (laughs) myself into this category. (laughs) It's one thing to be a pastor of adults. It's another thing to be a pastor and a leader of these kids when they are so frustrated. Yes. You know, last week, John, we said, you know, defeated. What was, what did I say? You quote me better than I do. <laughs> defeated, depleted, and de- not deleted. Deplete, but they were all de- anyway, deflated. They, deflated. Deflated, depleted, depleted, defeated. Yes. Oh, that's good, Emily. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, so the kids are really feeling that. I mean, we all are as adults, and then we have the added stress of also worrying about our children, but these kids are just kind of, can we go there? No, I can't. But I just saw him yesterday, but now I can't see him again. Yeah. But, you know, it's just so One awkward. minute you're in school and the next minute you're out of school. And then 
Yeah. It's and then the person next to you gets it. And then you're like, am I going to get it? And so there's that whole fear and uncertainty and the frustration that they have. So Laura and I have spent a lot of time talking about that. And she went to a social distance retreat. I mean, she went there, but they sat apart from each other and wore masks. We did. The they whole were careful. time. But she came back with whatever, whoever did this. So I wanted her to kind of share a little bit about that, John, because that has been what has kind of sparked my thought of crying out to the Lord when we're feeling, now what? And I'm done with this. Um, So this conversation, whoever led this for y'all, I'm I'm really appreciative of, and it's really been thought provoking for me as well, because you brought up the word acknowledging. Yes. And that was something that for me personally, that wasn't exactly a word that they used, but I kind of got that out of it was taking a minute to actually acknowledge our grief, acknowledge what we've been going through and not just sweep it under the rug or sort of have that denial state of I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm really, I'm fine. Like, you know, we're just going to keep pushing through. We're going to keep going. Like it's, it'll be okay. It'll, it'll work out, you know, but actually stopping and hitting the pause button and saying, this really stinks. And, and I'm hurt by everything that I'm having to go through and see and witness and experience. This is really hard. And to actually just sit in that for a moment. And I think a lot of times, especially in youth ministry, we are the happy person. We are the person with a smile on our face. We You're the cheerleader. I'm the cheerleader. I'm supposed to I'm not supposed to technically be the one that is sad because I'm supposed to be the one that is pouring in to these kids, bringing happiness to them, bringing light to them. And so, you know, it's easy for me and for other youth directors and workers to just kind of put on this, not necessarily fake smile, but then it kind of is fake because it's kind of like, well, I have to bring on this positive energy because they that's what they need because that's what they're experiencing and they need some light in their life right now because teenagers are moody enough as it is oh my gosh yes they <laughs> no are offense. but um so the word acknowledge just was for me I said I need to sit here and I need to acknowledge all that I'm feeling and all that I'm dealing with. And when y'all were talking earlier about um, giving up on the ministry, I'm not giving up on youth ministry, I promise. I'm not going anywhere. But that is just the Holy Spirit working in itself and was one of those things because I'm sitting here and I'm like, what am I going to talk about? Because I literally knew about this 30 minutes ago. So what what am I supposed to, I didn't prep for this or anything. But then I realized, oh yeah, I know why I'm here. And part of it was because one of the questions that they asked us at this youth workers retreat was, are you still willing to stand and keep doing the work that God has called you to do? And it was a really, I told Emily, it was a very, it was, it was sort of a convicting feeling. And it was also a very encouraging feeling because, you know, God called me to this, to this youth group. He called me to this youth group five years ago and it's 2021 now and things look way different than they were back in 2015, 2016 when I first started. But even though the circumstances are different and even though 
our world is going through a lot of hard times right now. Am I still willing to stand and do ministry and love people and be the hands and feet of Jesus and do what I'm called to do despite how hard it is, how painful it is, um, you know, is if it's even harder and more of a struggle than it was two years ago? Am I still willing to do what he's called me to do? Or am I just going to throw my hands up and say, I'm done because this is too hard and I don't think I can do this anymore? Or am I going to stand and lean on the God that is not impossible, that through him all things are possible? Ooh, that was really good. (laughs) I appreciate that. I I really appreciate uh, what you said there and being encouraged at this retreat to acknowledge And not mask over it, not try to rationalize it right. or anything like that. And I, I, I do think that there are so many things that are pulling at us in COVID and pandemic and distance worship and teachings. It doesn't make things any easier. It just adds to it. Yes. But there is one thing that is so very true when it comes to the gospel message of Christ And you see it in the Old Testament, and you certainly see it in the Gospels, and you see it in the life of Paul, and that thread that connects them all is that work of the Holy Spirit through it is, man, if we never acknowledge our need, acknowledge our shortcomings, then there is nothing that can fill it. It's like if you don't empty yourself of this anxiety, Jesus didn't say, hey, I'll help you be less anxious. No, he said, stop being anxious. Yeah. (laughs) Just stop. You see, what we don't realize is if we don't empty ourselves, something else will empty us. We're, we're always being emptied. We're always feeling ourselves being pulled in so many different directions. And then with those special relationships with those that we love, they seem to get the very bits and pieces of us. If we're allowing the world to empty us, then there is a problem there. Because, A, we may not realize we're being emptied. And so we're trying to fill it with, we're feeling a void, but then we're trying to fill it with something else. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is this spiritual discipline of acknowledging, hey, listen, this is something that, A, I either need to let go of. Right. Or B, I need to keep my eyes on this and fix it. Mm -hmm. This is either my responsibility or this is God's responsibility or this is someone else's responsibility or something like that. But there's got to be that emptying, that release. And what's, what's interesting, which is so very interesting, is there is a Greek word in the New Testament that's used. It is kanao. And it's actually used several places in the New Testament. But one of the most famous ones is in Philippians 2. It's the song of Jesus where uh, Paul writes, have this mind amongst you, which is that of Jesus Christ, who though was God. And it goes down, down through this. He did not count equality with God as something regret. Then there's this contrast in verse seven, but emptied himself. Now, what's interesting about that word in this sense, it is the only place in the New Testament that the person who is emptied is the one who initiates the emptying. Hmm. Nowhere else in scripture is it used. Someone was emptied or this was emptied or that, you know, like the value of the cross Paul talks about. And he says, what's emptying the value of the cross is sin. So he's talking about the cross is not emptying it. It, It's other people are empty, but Jesus is the one 
which gives us this beautiful image of his humility and his obedience and his willingness. Nobody had to twist his arm. Mm-hmm. Nobody did. He did it himself. He became humble through the means or through the instrument of, of obedience. But this idea of us being uh, aware of our emptiness, there has to be a point that we have to say, you know what, that is outside my control. And I either have to stop trying to redeem this on my own, or I have to let it go. I have to empty myself of that. And then I think the process after this acknowledgement is where the Holy Spirit actually starts to work inside of us. Right. Right. It's that process of acknowledging or identifying what is emptying us. We give it over to God and God reciprocates by allowing ourselves the ability to be filled with something else. When you think of the gospel message, it is all about emptying a self-willingness to empty. When Jesus says, if you want to be my disciples, uh, he didn't say that someone else forces denial on you. Right. You know, you go for that last piece of cake and you think, no, oh, and then someone comes over and slaps your hand with a ruler. Ooh, that's rude. <laughs> you know, that's rude. someone else that's controlling you. <laughs> but there's that process of you doing it yourself, you allowing yourself. And in that letting go, you are allowing yourself to be redeemed and atoned on the inside for something else to, to take that formlessness that right. void yeah. that the Holy Spirit in Genesis 1-2 is just hovering over. Yeah. Man, that is beautiful. Well, and I think it requires, this is something that I was thinking about today and where this morning where it's just like the pieces of the puzzle kind of come together because I've spent a lot of time recently thinking about being vulnerable and opening yourself up to people, especially when you need help, when you're struggling with something having the courage to acknowledge to begin with and then to say, you know, I've got an issue here. I'm really struggling with this. I have a problem. I need some help. And acknowledging that you need that help and then being vulnerable enough to share and to go to somebody and say, I got to have some help here. That vulnerability, I think, especially when you're dealing with the Lord and the Holy Spirit, that vulnerability to come clean with God is going to lead to humility. And when we're, we have that humility before him, that gives us the power to be obedient in what he's asking us to do and what he wants us to do. Um, it's also freeing. Yeah. and But it's so hard for people to realize that we have to be vulnerable with each other. We want to appear like we've got it all together. I mean, Instagram is a bless, as much of a blessing as it can be, and it has been in my life and connected me with some great Christian thinkers and poets and things that I have heard that have made me grow and learn. And to be able to share my faith with people that, I don't know. I don't I don't know half these people that follow me. I don't have that many friends personally in person, but you know, what it allows is great. Yet the grid is so curated. Like here's what it is. I'm great. My life is perfect. I've got everything I want. I'm not struggling. It's all going to be fine. So we live in this time of keep your act together, people. Keep it together. You got. You can't look like you're losing it. And really what we need is this vulnerability to be able to come clean and say, uh-uh, I don't have it. 
And I'm, woo, I'm struggling because what you find when you are vulnerable to people, it allows them to be vulnerable. So you're not only helping yourself, you're helping somebody else because they are then going, oh, well, if you can say it, then I can say it. And Laura, I thought about this too with the high school girls. We're doing this book by Annie Downs called um, Perfectly Unique. And she covers, she goes through and covers the body for the girls and how to glorify the Lord with each part of you. And this last week was shoulders. And I told Laura, I was like, I I mean, it's entertaining and all, but this this chapter is not my favorite. I mean, I don't get it. Um, I don't understand why she made a chapter about this. But as I was thinking about this acknowledgement and vulnerability, and I think the girls actually got it more than I did. <laughs> like listening to them yesterday morning with, with some of the comments that they were saying, I was like, oh, that's really deep. Wow. Good job, girls. <laughs> Maybe y'all should have taught this lesson because um, you clearly are seeing things and getting things that I'm not getting. But as I looked at it today, this morning, I was like, you know what? This is the same. This is the same. That vulnerability and offering your shoulder to lean on. Right. To come alongside people. Mm -hmm. Because the story that Annie used was Moses and Aaron and her. When Moses, when the Israelites are going into battle against the Amalekites, when they're going into battle, as Moses keeps his staff and his arms raised, the Israelites are kicking tail. They are winning. They are taking names. They are doing it. But as Moses, I mean, he was an old guy. As he's standing there, he's like, oh, my arms are getting tired. Oh, i got to put this down for a minute. And when his arms dropped, oh, it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> the Israelites started to lose. And so he's like, oh, no. And so he put his arms back up, and they started to win again. And so Aaron and her come alongside him and raise his arms up and hold them there. They bring him something to sit on so he can sit and keep his arms raised. And that coming alongside the picture, and I've done this study of the names of God, and the name that's referenced there is Jehovah Nissi or Nisi, and it means the Lord is my banner, and he goes before. It's like going into battle, and there's that flag bearer going ahead of you saying, here's who we are. Here's who I am. Here is this. And so having that banner go before you and think about being alongside you as you go into these things, I mean, gosh, that's so helpful. And it encourages that invulnerability that we need. We need that. And look what's available to us when we acknowledge it and when we say, I'm in trouble. I got to have some help. Because what if Moses had just been like, I just can't lean my arms up and I can't do this anymore? What if no one had come to help? What if he had shooed them away and said, no, I got this. I can do it myself. You know, we all want to put that face on like you were talking about. We want the world to perceive in this Instagram, Facebook age, we can put these filters on. And we live in the world around us with these filters on. And it's interesting that in Richard Foster's book, The Celebration of Disciplines, he divides all these disciplines into categories. There's there's personal disciplines, there's corporate disciplines. It's interesting that the discipline of confession is a corporate discipline. Now we might think, well, that's a that's a personal, isn't that? Isn't that in you know, that's a, a one 
person doing this. No, it's giving this idea that the body of Christ is a part of your recovery, is a part of your oh, yes. spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a book called Life Together. And one of the things that he does in there in this is this book is he talks about the forbearance, how we all kind of forbear together and how we hold each other up. So that confession is done in the realm of a community. Look, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have your personal prayers and you you go and make your confessions and you seek forgiveness. But it is the case when when you've offended somebody and what you have done has actually uh, crossed into somebody else's kingdom. Now there is this process of bringing that other person in. And so there's this redemption. There's this community. This is we're working together on this. And what is overarching on that all, Elijah tries to get away from everybody. He goes to the southernmost part of, he he didn't stay in Israel. He goes down to Judah. He goes down to the southernmost part. And then he figures, I'm going to get all the way into the desert. And there in the midst that overarches all of this that we said, God. Mm. An earthquake, a fire, wind, and a still small voice. Why are you here? And God gives him the opportunity to vent. Yeah. Well, I'm the only one left and I tried and all this stuff, just let me die. And even after Elijah gives that same response again, God says, all right, I'll meet you here, but you can't stay here. Right. And that's all it takes. How awesome is that, that God, God gives him that vent session? Yeah, right. You know, he's just like, all right, get it out. And I think that's another part of the acknowledgement is that, we can grieve and God comforts those who grieve. Right. And I just think that that's so important because that is part of the process. To John's point, we're not going to stay here. You know, we're going to move on. We're going to get through this. But you have to kind of have that starting point, that that line of just, okay, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. This is what I'm struggling with and that we have a God that lets us voice that. I think that is so, that's what makes our God so awesome. Remember Carlos Whitaker saying, sometimes to catch God is slowing down. Yeah. And I think his example is, you know what? The fastest we usually can walk is about three miles an hour. Yeah. Okay. But the world around us, we want it to go a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. And the way that God has wired us and built us is, is for slow. Yeah. So let's, let's take a moment to slow it down. Yeah. And we don't have to catch up to God. Sometimes we have to let ourselves slow down. Right. And so in this process is... It doesn't matter where we find ourselves right at this moment. Mm -hmm. If we identify, acknowledge, hey, we're empty, we're just drained, we have let it happen. If we acknowledge that, then God says, finally, finally, I'm here with you. Now, you can't stay here. Let me fill you. Let me give you this strength. Let me redeem you. Let me atone for where you're at. But he, he doesn't fill what hasn't been emptied. And how ironic, John, that our Lent, as St. Paul, we are, our theme, I guess, is centered around emptying and filling. Um, emptying yourself of something during those 40 days, uh, but then filling it up again with something that is... Related to God, spending time with God, worshiping Him, 
And we said at the beginning of this, an episode... Don't ask me which one it was. You just can't, you cannot remember 20 things. I've said so many things in the past four months. (laughs) It's hard to pin down what we've talked about when. Um, But you said this idea of pouring out and being filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit, where it just bubbles up. Your your reference was the sponge. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I was there. Yay! <laughs> I mean that that idea that you've got this sponge that when it's when it's not full, it, it soaks up soaks up everything. And then we see this picture of you know this bubbling up when when it talks about the living water of God and and what that means that it just flows. Yeah, the Ephesians free. one passage where this glorious riches of God's grace yes. He has lavished on us yes. that even when we are filled or the nooks and crannies, there is an abundance of more available just waiting yes for it to pour in just bubbling over just waiting running out um that fi- that infinite number that infinite amount of what's waiting for us but it first requires that i can't i, I can't i can't i can't do this anymore and i you know i immediately thought of david i've thought of david so much in the psalms cuz there are so many psalms that david says I'm here. I'm hiding. God, why are you not listening to me? Where are you? Gosh, this is awful. Oh, I'm a terrible person. Oh, no wonder God doesn't love me. And then at the end, by the end of the psalm, as he's, as he's <laughs> vented, by the end, he's like, God is great. I love him. Mm, he's awesome. This is where I run to to hide. You know, he does all that. But then this morning, I was thinking about Job. Well, yesterday. But this morning, I really spent some time by myself reading it. And you know, Job has a hor- has horrible things that happen to him. You wouldn't think of Job as being the book of the Bible that you're going to be super encouraged. <laughs> but I encourage you to read it again because Job, yes, loses everything, his family, his wealth, his wife, parts of his own health. He doesn't die, but he feels like he wants to. And he's like, why is this happening to me? You know, and his friends are like, oh, you got you got trouble. And they he has these three friends that come to him three times and they talk and they talk and they talk. And Job will answer them and go back and answer them and said, no, I know this. I've not done anything wrong. I, I, I have not sinned. I'm not being punished. I don't know what this is. There's nothing I can do. And God lets them go on and on for 37 chapters. (laughs) He listens to them. He listens to Job give his reasons. And he listens to his friends tell him, no, God, yeah, you're being punished. Oh, goodness gracious. And the longer that they talk to him, the madder they get with him because he's not (laughs) coming around to their thinking. And in verse 38 of Job, verse 1 says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm. (laughs) 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 And then the Lord speaks to Job for four chapters, all along the lines of, because verse 2 says, Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you will answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? And it continues on in that vein. And Job stands there and he's like, oh, don't you know that he just grew smaller and smaller and smaller? And what struck me this morning is when Job can answer him, 
He doesn't go, but God, you've done all this to me. You've taken everything. You've allowed this to happen. He says, then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? And surely I spoke of things that I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. That's how Job responds to the Lord. And then he says, your friends were giving you some bad advice. You got to And he tells the friends, he's like, you were wrong. You shouldn't have counseled him in this way. You got to make an offering. And if Job will pray for you, I'm going to forgive you for acting this way. And guess what the friends do? Oh, okay, yeah. They go and get their offering and they do it. And then Job ends. (laughs) I mean, if you really pay attention to that whole thing that's happened, Job's life for real stunk in those (laughs) moments. That was bad. Bad. Thank you, Jesus, that I've not lost my home, everything I own, my children, my husband, my health. I have been blessed beyond measure. I've been completely blessed beyond measure. Thank goodness I'm not like Job. But if that happens, Lord, help me to be like Job, which is hard to say because I don't want to be like Job. Yet if I am... Help me to stay focused on you and that you know things that I couldn't even fathom. In the midst of it, to be like Job that says, I know my Redeemer lives. Yes. So what's interesting is, is there is almost a contrast between Elijah and Job. Yeah. Elijah wants to give up. And every time God speaks, hey, what are you doing here? He gives an excuse. Well, God, it's... I'm the only one. Did uh, he know Job? <laughs> <laughs> I would think so. I don't know. I mean, Job is uh, was written pre-patriarchal, so they th- they think Job was written before Abraham. But regardless, oh, wow. Job then his response to it is, you know what? I've searched my heart. You know, which gives us this this freedom in this. This, if we're honest, in in this time of meditation through these the the disciplines, that that God does not pull any punches on us, that He doesn't you know leave us to be surprised, gives us the wherewithal to search our own hearts and to examine our own hearts on where we stand. But we'll we'll try to take the advice of others. We'll try to that's that example of trying to redeem it ourselves. The friends of Job, they wanted Job. Hey, listen, let me tell you how you redeem this: curse God and die. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant plan. They yeah. tried. They really did. Elijah, try. <laughs> Elijah's uh, way to redeem it was: I give up. I'm yeah. done. I'm done with ministry. Hey, it was nice. Here's your, you know, severance pay to his servant. He goes to Negev and he says, you know what, God, let me just be like my forefathers here. Let me die. And it's beautiful that God meets us there and he does not let us stay there. So I guess the big message is that God still has some big stuff for us to do. Amen. But the first thing that has to happen is this declaration of, you know what, God, you are here. 
and I'm willing to not let anything else empty me. Even God doesn't empty us. I mean, we have to pour ourselves out like Jesus in in Philippians chapter two, empty ourselves. We have to empty ourselves out. And he says, perfect. Now I got work for you to do. Yeah. I got, I got ministry for you to do. It's not like, you know, God is manipulating us, man. The abundant life is a life where our kingdom is merged with God's kingdom and we know that he is ours and we are his and he is who he says he is and he will do what he promises to do and we can live right now in that moment. And maybe we're like David sometimes and we just need a vent. But if our venting never gets to the end that has this contrast, but the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever, if it never gets there, you see this in David's writing of the Psalms. It goes from the venting to the promise. It does. But if if the problems never get to the promise, then we have not let go of what is depleting us, what is emptying us. You know, we, we haven't let it go because deep in our mind, we want it back. We want it back. We want it like it was. But God says, "Uh uh-uh, I'll meet you where you are, but I will not let you stay where you are. Well, that brings up um, Peter. What is it? First Peter? He said, cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. And something else that I read, a different translation that I read said, cast all your cares and leave them there. Don't put them down Say, Lord, here's what I'm upset about. Here's where my anxieties are. Look at them. All right, I'm going to take them back. Cast them all there and leave them there because he cares for you. And he wants to help you take care of that. Because I think it's hard to see, and I need to be reminded of this all the time. It's hard for us to understand that in all the yuck and the bad that happens, that God could be aware of what it is. It's hard for us to understand that he looks at the chaos and says, all right, I see what's going on here. I'm going to let this play out. Because in our mind, when we have chaos, we want somebody to fix it. We want to bring it back under control. We don't want to leave the, you know, that's why preschool classrooms have more than one teacher. (laughs) We want people to rein things in and to say, "Uh uh-uh, get down, don't do that. Put that out of your mouth. Don't bite them. (laughs) We need need that. I mean, and adults need that too, maybe more than kids do. (laughs) What are we doing? We need somebody to be in control. And God just lets us go. So I'm, I'm... Listening to everything y'all are saying, and Emily, I know I have shared this with you yesterday, but thinking about all that we've went through and all that we've experienced and thinking about it from a from a youth's perspective and probably what's going on in their minds, everything that they are experiencing in their world right now. And I remember I told Emily, I said, I asked the question, do you believe and can you believe that through all the trauma and everything that we've went through and everything we've experienced, especially in 2020, but even other circumstances that you go through in your everyday life that are trials and struggles, can you still believe he is for you? He wants to use this for your good. He wants to grow you, teach you. He wants to create something new in you. That he is a loving, faithful 
good heavenly father. Even though your circumstances, you're looking around going, what in the world is happening? (laughs) (laughs) O-M-G. And can you still stand there with confidence? And as Andy's book says, using your shoulders, have that good posture, stand Mm -hmm. up tall and with confidence and say, I know who my God is and I know he's for me and I know he's got a great plan for me. And I know that everything that I'm going through, he's going to use it for my good. And he's going to refine me in this. And I'm going to come out strong in some way. And I'm going to come out changed in some way, transformed in some way. And I'm going to be able to walk with more strength and obedience in his ways And I'm going to depend on him more and I'm going to love him more and I'm going to praise him at the end of this. We want to get caught on why God did you do this? Right. Where we're supposed to get to is, do we really believe God is still for us? Because God never promises explanation, but he will always promise revelation. This God is for us, not against us. This God is the God who emptied himself through the incarnation for us. And there is something so refreshing just in that, that begins that atoning process. I've got so many hymns running through my mind right now. (laughs) Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Fanny Crosby. Oh, what a four days. You know, the second verse there, it says, angels descending from heaven above, echoes of mercy and whispers of love. Yes. Echoes of mercy all around us. We see the echoes. Yes. And whispers of love. I love that song. That's my favorite. Oh, and then I've got, I know my Redeemer lives. I know my Redeemer lives. Yeah. And what's the praise song? If God is who can ever be against us, da 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 da. Chris Tomlin, <laughs> is that passion. enough for y'all to get? No. <laughs> is there a chapter and or verse? And if our God or? is for us, then who could ever stop, stop us? us? Yes, yes. And yes. if our God is with right, us, I'm going to mark this as deleted. <laughs> <laughs> I told y'all I don't sing. <laughs> don't, don't delete me singing. I'm just teasing. Well, friends, we are so glad that you joined us today. You know, our prayer is is that these have become instruments of God. And uh, there is no fooling anybody that we have it all together. We don't. One of the things that someone once asked me, where do you get your sermon topics? How do you know what to preach on? And I said, usually 90% of the time, they're centered around what I need. At that moment. Yes. They're centered around what I'm going through. And so when we study, I know what is true for Laura. I know it's true for Emily. It's true for myself. These things are not planned out weeks and months ahead. This is real for us right now. This is what we're going through. And we Mm -hmm. have, as we look at the world, as we watch the news, and as we hold that intention with the gospel message and the word of God, we are navigating alongside of you. And our prayer is that these become words that God uses to strengthen you, to encourage you that he is for you and that uh, he is alongside of you and he still meets you where you're at and has work for you to do in his kingdom. You know, I've been talking with someone about getting out of the comfort zone. 
And we find ourselves so comfortable that we can't think about tomorrow or next week. And there is a sense of being risk takers. I encourage you, if you feel comfortable about letting everything else empty you, if you feel comfortable about getting to a point of seclusion in a way and kind of isolating yourself, there is a risk to step out. But realize that God has not only announced himself alongside of you, he is walking alongside of you and showing you what the next step is. And so our prayer is that God will continue to do that in your life today, the next couple of days, and the weeks to come. As you reflect about these episodes and you think about them, if you have any questions, just feel free to reach out and, and just to say hello. Uh, we have some analytics and statistics that uh, there are folks in uh, about 27 countries listening to us, believe it or not. And so if you are uh, far away uh, or close by, maybe you're next door, just send us an email and let us know that you are joining us. And if you have any questions or comments, uh, we sure would appreciate those. You can reach us at podcast at spumccolumbus.com, spumccolumbus.com. Until next time, may God hold you in the palm of his hand and remind you that you are his and he is yours. Amen.